has always changed as the only constant in this business. It's really tough to get to this point. It's a grind just to get to this point. And that makes the finality of it all kind of hit you like a ton of bricks. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. The few, few times that the Packers have lost in the last two years hasn't been many, right? Three times last regular season, three times this year, and then a playoff loss against the Niners, and then this weekend against the Bucks. Every time the Packers have lost in the last years, I've come on air the next day, typically the Monday after, or the, the Tuesday after. I don't know if they lost on Monday Night Football or Thursday night to the Eagles last year. I've come on the show the next day, and I've made some joke. I, I've, I've kind of been sarcastic, and I've said, you know, I don't, I don't want to be the hero today. I don't want to be the voice of reason that everybody needs, but I'll, I'll do it. You know, I'll accept responsibility. That's actually kind of how I feel today because Packers fandom is miserable. I think today we maybe are even more miserable than we were after the 2014 NFC Championship game. And I can't tell you today that I'm going to make you feel better because uh, yesterday's loss is going to hurt for a long time. But I think I can provide something through this show that makes your life better, makes my life better. Because when the Packers lose, I'm sure you don't like having to dig through the details. You probably don't rewatch the game. You probably don't even watch the highlights when the Packers lose. Th- that's that's what I'm here for. I've been rolling around in this game like a dog in a dead fish for the last day now. Feel like I've got my mind wrapped around it. And now I can lead a discussion. Now I can bring us all together. Big embrace all together as Packers fans. So I hope that I can alleviate some of that responsibility off of you. I go through this game, dig through this game so that you don't have to. And hopefully by the end of the night, we can all feel one step closer to peace, even though this is going to, this is going to take so long. Yesterday sucked. Packers lost 31, 26 at home in the NFC championship game for the fourth time in seven years. All right, let's do it. Wisco sports show. My name is Grant Bills and I am glad you're here. I wish the occasion was a little bit more excited. I wish we were talking about the Packers making the Super Bowl and Aaron Rodgers finally getting back to number two after, you know, coming up short for the last decade. But that's not the case. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. If you want to call in, if you want to be part of the show today, you're welcome to 608-796-2558. It's the talk and text line. You can also tweet at me if you'd like. I can also understand if you just, you just want to listen, right? You just want to. I don't know if this is therapeutic. Like, this is what sports fans do, I guess, right? After losses, we gather together to complain and to break it down. Not necessarily to dwell on it, but to get some sort of closure, right? That's what they say when you go through a hard breakup. You got to get closure. You got you to sit down and talk about it. I guess that's what we're doing today. Um, scrolling ahead throughout the rest of the rundown, I want to talk about the Packers' defense. There was a lot of good. There was also a lot of bad that mostly minimized the good. We're going to hear from Aaron Rodgers a little bit, a press conference that's certainly diff- different from you know, everything else we've heard this year. Um, yeah, talk about the offensive line, talk about Matt LaFleur. We're going we're gonna to talk about just about every detail from yesterday's game. And I, I'm out of things to say at this moment. I don't really know what to say next, so we're just going to jump into it. Because I think once we get the train on the tracks, I will know what to say. Uh, and I currently don't. The Packers lost 31-26. They were three-point favorites. I think they're a better team with a better coach, with a better quarterback, 
playing at home with all the momentum. I And they ended up losing anyway, which is what is amazing about the NFL in comparison to Major League Baseball or in comparison to the NBA. Um, but it's also really heartbreaking because sometimes you think it's your year and then it doesn't turn out to be your year. Uh, and that's a really jarring realization. And I think Aaron Rodgers echoed that a little bit in his press conference. I, the abruptness with which this season ended. I, I thought Packers were going to be in the Super Bowl and we could worry about the Chiefs or the, the Bills or whoever made it from the AFC and, and we had a lot more time to go. Um, I remember on Friday's show we were, we were talking about, you know, things that, have, that the Packers have brought us, right? Connections with friends and family, right? Enjoying a special season like this and, you know, 48 hours later, the season is over. I think we all understood the stakes heading into this game. And I think, by and large, we were emotionally prepared, right? As prepared as we can get. I, I think on Friday or Saturday or even yesterday morning, right, the sentiment with Packers fans was the same. Like, win or lose, I'm crying today. I love this team way too much. If they make the Super Bowl, I'm going to cry. If they lose, I'm going to cry. I think we, we all were prepared, at least a little bit, for what was going to happen yesterday. We were prepared for a loss, the possibility of a loss. I don't think we were prepared for how it was going to happen. I thought if the Packers were going to lose this game, it was going to be because Aaron Rodgers didn't play very well. And we have precedent to believe that that could be the case. Aaron Rodgers has been now in five NFC Championship games, including the one where they actually advanced to the Super Bowl over 10 years ago. And he hasn't necessarily been stellar in any of them. Against Chicago, he was 17-30 for a rushing touchdown and two picks. In 2014 against Seattle, 19 of 34 for a touchdown, two interceptions, and less than 200 yards. Not exactly stellar. In 2016 versus Atlanta, he finished 27 of 45 for three touchdowns and a pick. It it didn't really matter. His team wasn't any good. He was also the team's leading rusher with almost 50 yards. He was everything, and and he, he was everything in that game to the Packers offense. And then last year against the Niners, his final line ended up looking okay, but it all came in the second half. 31 of 39, two touchdowns, two interceptions. 325 yards. If the Packers were going to lose yesterday, I was prepared for it to be because Aaron Rodgers didn't play very well. And that could not have been further from the truth. Aaron Rodgers had 350 yards yesterday. Three touchdowns. He completed a third and 15 from his own end zone, rolling to the right. He was active on the sideline, talking with the coach, talking with his defense. He looked engaged. He looked like Russell Wilson has looked in playoff games for the last decade. He looked like Patrick Mahomes looked for the last couple of years. Active, vocal, leader, extending plays when he needed to, but also playing within structure. Aaron Rodgers was great yesterday. That's not why they lost. Not at all. In fact, he was much better than Tom Brady. Tom Brady was terrible yesterday. Aaron Rodgers was much, much better. And his team lost anyways. And I was not prepared for that. I was absolutely not prepared for this. That, that blindsided me. Aaron Rodgers playing so well, and the Packers still losing. And I'm gutted for Aaron Rodgers today. I... I'm not going to say I could give a damn about the rest of the team, right? I've seen I've seen football losses before. I've seen playoff losses before. It happens. It's it's one team wins the Super Bowl every year, but I am crushed for Aaron Rodgers specifically today, and Matt Lafleur is too. And he was last night because he was asked after the game, "Hey, is Rodgers going to be back?" Listen to his answer. He's on the verge of tears. I sure as hell hope so. Uh, I mean, guys, the MVP of this league. He is the heart and soul of our football team. So, hell yeah, he better be back here. Uh, He's our leader. And, you know, just so appreciative of him buying into what we're trying to get done around here and and leading that group. You know, his voice carries a lot of weight in that locker room. 
and just, you know, I feel for him to be in this situation and for us not to get it done. I mean, it hurts. It hurts. My heart hurts for Aaron Rodgers. Aside from Rodgers, that game was a house of horrors. It was a literal house of horrors. And it could have been a blowout of of epic proportions had Rodgers played middle of the road instead of playing as good as he did yesterday. Everyone but MVS, Jair, Corey Lindsley, and Adrian Amos should probably apologize to Rodgers because that game was that game was a mess. It was a house of horrors. And it was similar to the house of horrors in 2014. Do you realize how similar yesterday's game is to 2014? Think about it. Just take a second. Yesterday and the NFC Championship game in 2014 are, are almost identical. Same ingredients. They have the exact same ingredients. Blunders on a two-point conversion. In 2014, it was Aha Clinton Dix. Yesterday it was Equinemia St. Brown. Right? The, the NFC Championship game in 2014 and in 2020. They both had interceptions that we thought were going to be the difference, and neither one was. Morgan Burnett picks the ball off and slides. Doesn't matter. Jair Alexander has two interceptions in the second half yesterday. Doesn't matter. Both the game in 2014 and the game yesterday had a really, really good NFL quarterback or cornerback who just didn't show up. Jermon Williams had a bad game in 2014. Kevin King had one of his worst games as a Packer yesterday. I didn't expect that. Kevin King is not as bad as he showed yesterday. Both games just had an unbelievably inexcusable moment. The onside kick in 2014. Yesterday, it was the deep touchdown pass to Scotty Miller with, what, six seconds remaining in the second quarter? How do you let that happen? And in 2014, the ball gets taken out of Rodgers' hands at the end because Seattle wins the coin toss. And yesterday, the ball gets taken out of Rodgers' hands because Matt LaFleur wants to kick a field goal. This is the same ingredients. The, the 2014 and the 2020 NFC Championship games have the exact same makeup. Now, those events happened in a different order. Right, Yesterday's game didn't climax with a dramatic finish like the game did in 2014, but the ingredients were the same. The Packers started bad, they were good, and then they finished, eh, ho-hum. In 2014, they started great, they cooled off, and then they crashed and burned at the end. These two games are, are super, super similar. There is a ton of missed opportunities in yesterday's game, just like there was in 2014, where if one or two things go differently, then the outcome is different. Yesterday, like the NFC Championship game in 2014, six years ago, was a game of missed opportunities. And all the attention goes to the final two drives. Lafleur's decision to kick a field goal and the pass interference that was called on Kevin King, which essentially gave the Buccaneers the win. Now I want to start with Matt Lafleur. Matt Lafleur chose to kick a field goal from the eight-yard line after being basically a flawless decision maker all year. Fourth downs, punting, kicking field goals. Matt LaFleur is basically nails for the entire season. And yesterday, that decision, uh, it's going to get him a lot of heat. Uh, I know our morning show here in lacrosse, Dave Carney was killing him for it this morning. I don't know what Ebo had to say. I'm talking to Ebo tomorrow morning, so I'm sure it'll come up. Matt LaFleur is going to get killed for that choice. I don't think the choice was as indefensible as some think. I don't agree with it, certainly after the fact. It's a lot easier to sit here now and say that you don't agree with it. I think there's a simple rule of thumb, right? Are we going to trust Aaron Rodgers or are we going to trust Mike Pettin? Ah, uh, I'm probably going to trust Aaron Rodgers, especially in the red zone where the Packers were number one in touchdown scoring percentage this year. They scored touchdowns 77% of the time, which is three percentage points better than the next closest team. If you're going to make a bet and at that point down eight with the ball at the eight yard line on fourth down, you're making a bet. You're making a guess. If you're going to make a bet, a bet placed on Aaron Rodgers seems like a better one than on the defense. No. Okay, so by that logic, I think it was probably the incorrect decision. I don't know what the numbers say. The numbers aren't as clear and and cut as you might think. The win probability 
does not go sky high. If they go forward, it doesn't drop to the floor when they kick the field goal. It's just common sense. Bet on Mike Pettin or bet on Aaron Rodgers. I would probably prefer to bet on Aaron Rodgers. And to LaFleur's credit, and to cut him a little slack, there was no perfect choice. Going for it from the 8-yard line is not ideal. And kicking a field goal from the 8-yard line is not ideal. So you're left with a tough decision. It, it's like it's like 4th and 9 on your own 42-yard line. You, okay, well, you can't really kick it. You don't really want to punt it. But 4th four and, and 9 is too far to go for it. So, like, football isn't a perfect game. Sometimes there is no clear-cut best decision. And that's where a coach has to best judgment, you know, gut feeling. Those other decision-making factors come in come into play. They were at the eight-yard line. They weren't at the two. And once again, to give Matt LaFleur a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, their goal line offense hadn't been inspiring yesterday. The Buccaneers did a really good job at the doorstep, and the Packers had to kick some field goals yesterday, and they really didn't have to do that this year. Matt LaFleur made the wrong choice, but I don't think it's as indefensible as some might think. Before we move on, I also want to talk about the final play. I want to talk about the pass interference, because I know a lot of Packers fans have been belly aching about that yesterday and today on social media. And if you're at work or you're at school, you probably talked about it today, too. If you missed it, right, it's third and four. Packers last chance to get a stop to get the ball back with the timeout down five points. Third and four, Brady drops back, makes a terrible throw that's nowhere near Tyler Johnson. Johnson flops. No flag, no flag. No flag. Oh, there it is. There's the flag. There it is. One of the latest pass interference flags I have ever seen. Right in the replay shows a grab. Kevin King got his jersey. Yeah. Okay. But the thing is, everyone had grabbed all game. Right? There were six penalties in this game completely. One was that pass interference. One was the intentional offsides a few plays earlier. And then the rest were basically Mike Pettin running 12 men out onto the field. Because even in a game with no penalties, Mike Pettin had to find a way to rack up some penalty yardage. There was heavy grabbing on three of the biggest plays of this entire game. The Rodgers interception with led to six points, the goal line play where the Packers ended up settling for a few goal and not a touchdown, and the final play. They were all very similar, and a penalty was called on only one, which happened to be for Tom Brady to seal the game and not the others, which is the worst possible way for a game to come to an end. Between Rodgers and Brady, and we're going we're gonna to settle this thing on a, on a hold after no penalties for the entire game? I, I'm not... I'm not arguing that the penalties and the referees cost this game to the Packers, but it's so on brand with the way that our sports teams have lost in the last couple of years. And it reminds me of game two against the Heat when the Bucks ended up losing because I don't who got fouled in the corner and it was like the worst way to end a playoff game ever because the whistle was basically with zero seconds on the clock. Like the Bucks were going to lose that game anyways, or they deserved to lose that game. But the sports gods or whoever is in control of all this Basically like, hey, let's let's have a controversial call at the end too just to stick it to Bucks fans. Just to stick it to the Packers fans. Like the, the Packers had probably lost that game. But then you mix in a controversial call at the end to make it hurt even more. I, I can't I can't keep doing this. Like I, I cannot keep going through this with our sports teams. They are they are literally inventing new ways to lose. I could not have predicted, I couldn't have fathomed what happened yesterday. Defensively and offensively. I, I think every, everyone outside of Jair Alexander, Adrian Amos, Corey Lindsley, and MVS owe an apology to Aaron Rodgers. Because I think Rodgers played his best that he's ever played in an NFC title game yesterday, and his team lost at home when Tom Brady threw three interceptions. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. I appreciate you tuning in. We're 
naturally, obviously, painfully talking about the Packers losing yesterday. I, I started the show. I didn't really know how to start the show. Normally, we make small talk for a minute or two, talk about the weekend, and then, you know, get into discussion of the day. I, I did not know what to say. I don't I don't know how to casually make light of this game or what happened this weekend. This, this loss hurts worse than last year. It hurts worse in 2016. It, it hurts worse in 2014. Because there's a sense of finality to this loss. They blew it. They stepped all over their you-know-what in 2014, and that was clear. But Rodgers was a lot younger then, and the team's window was a lot more wide open then. This felt like the slamming shut of an opportunity of Aaron Rodgers making a Super Bowl as a member of the Green Bay Packers. And I'm not not trying to be negative, but God, how could you not be negative today? Right, Half of their roster is up for free agency. Right, They had the number one seed playing at home. They had a lot of good injury luck, even losing David Bakhtiari this year. Like, that's just difficult to reproduce. The idea that they're going to come back and be better next year, despite losing some of their most important players, it's just not, It's it, this was it. This was it. And I think Packers fans feel that. I think Matt LaFleur felt that in his presser last night, and so did Aaron Rodgers. 608-796-2558. Text the show if you would like, or just passively listen and, you know, try to feel better. Uh, you can tweet at me at Wisco Grant as well. Um... Let's talk about the defense yesterday. I, but by jumping into the defense right now, I don't mean to suggest that the defense is the only problem yesterday. Although Aaron Rodgers' defense in playoff losses have averaged you know, about 35 points given up. The defense has always been the issue, but I don't think the defense was the one cut and dry issue yesterday. This isn't black and white. Um, it's, it's not that simple. Big picture, the Packers' defense actually had the right idea yesterday. The plan was working, and I tweeted about this in the first half because some of you were tweeting at me saying, oh my God, this defense is a nightmare. It's a train wreck. It's the same old defense. No, they actually had the right idea coming into this game. Slow down the run, and Bruce Arians thankfully was humoring them with a run. It's like, oh, you want, I will run Leonard Fournette on first down, damn it, and we'll second nine, and then then third and eight, and we'll, we'll get through eventually. We'll run the ball eventually. We'll wear you down. Like, Bruce Arians was playing right into Mike Pettin's hands, right? Forcing third downs, ideally third and long. Right, And the Buccaneers were forced into third downs yesterday 14 times. You, you can't argue with that. And especially in the first half, it felt like Brady and the Bucs were always in third and 10. Third and eight. There was a third and 14 at one juncture that they converted. Like The, the Packers' defense was setting themselves up for success. They were getting into advantageous looks. They were winning on first and second down. The problem was on third down, they forgot how to play football. The Bucs converted these early and often, even if they were 30 yards down the field. Brady, you know, on the second drive, just heaves one up, and Darnell Savage has a clean shot at, a, at an interception or a pass defensed, and he loses it in the sun, and it falls into the lap of Chris Godwin, turns into a touchdown. Like The Packers were getting into advantageous looks on defense. Problem is they couldn't close, and they couldn't take advantage of it. And, and the situational defense for Mike Patton just continues to be abysmal. Lafleur let Patton have it on the sideline, I saw. He's having issues getting 12 men on the field, which should never happen in an NFC Championship game. And he let him have it in the press conference, too. It's not like he cussed him out. But he was asked about that, that defense before half, in which the Packers gave up a touchdown with only six seconds on the board. The Bucs didn't have any timeouts. And they gave up a touchdown anyways. That, that can't happen. That's indefensible. And Matt LaFleur absolutely cut his defensive coordinator zero slack in the postgame presser when asked about what kind of defense Mike Patton was running. Yeah, it was uh, man coverage. Definitely not the the right call for the situation um and you you can't you can't do stuff like that against a good football team and expect to win so i mean really when you look at it there's there was a hundred and 
I don't know, 20 some odd plays both on both sides of the ball, plus all the special teams. There was a lot of plays in that game that could have been made that could could change the outcome of the game. But the ones that really hurt us the most were that play and then to come out the start of the second half, um, you know, had the fumble and they, they score to make it 28-10. I mean, that, that really was uh, a big difference in the football game you just can't do that stuff and I blame us uh, as coaches you know for for putting our guys in that situation that's that's inexcusable that should not have happened Um, so we gotta we gotta take a look at it and do some self-reflection and and try to figure out ways how, how that can't happen again he's not wrong There are a lot of plays that could have gone differently, but none of them were as obvious and as inexcusable and none made me want to vomit more than somehow giving up a deep touchdown from 50 yards away with six seconds left and no timeouts. That's that's as cut and dry as it gets. You play no doubles. Every dad, whether they played football or not, was sitting in their couch, sitting in in their house, watching the game yesterday saying, nothing deep. You know, nothing deep. You get it. No doubles. Not, don't let anybody get behind you. And damn it, what did Mike Patton do? He, he let somebody get behind him. He let Scotty freaking Miller get behind Kevin King without a high safety over the top to help. And, and you really blew the game on that one play. I know it happened in the first half, but but that was really it. And Matt LaFleur should have let Patton have it in the postgame presser. And obviously, Mike Patton should be fired. He absolutely should be. How do you let that happen? And it's funny because some people were surprised by that. I wasn't surprised in the slightest. I wasn't surprised at all. Mike Patton's been horrendous in situational football this entire season. I went back to my week one show, which is like September 15th after the Vikings game. Week one. And I cut a chunk out of my show because I I was talking about this week one. I was like, Mike Patton can't coach situationally. That's a huge issue, the way this defense is run. That's a huge issue, and it's going to bite him. And and I was like hedging. I was like, ah, I don't want to overreact. It's just one game. No, I will never ever hedge against overreaction ever again because I was right about it in week one and I pulled the audio. Here it is. The way I see it, the NFL in 2020 is it's situational defense because all the rules favor the offense. So DCs have said, all right, we're going to focus on the red zone, forcing turnovers, forcing sacks and penalties. I, I get that. I think we've learned that over the last couple of years. The way I see it, the Packers defense had a really easy job on Sunday in the second half and it was just to make them eat clock. And they couldn't do it. Like, I'm looking at the drive summary of the fourth quarter. The Vikings score in a minute 16, two minutes, seven seconds, a minute 58. That concerns me a little bit. And once again, it's only one game. So you tell me if it's if it's too small a sample size. But I worry that maybe Mike Pettin isn't great situationally. That showed up at the end of the first half, too. The Vikings didn't even want to score. Like, they weren't trying to score. Yeah. They were going to hand it off and kind of go into halftime. And yet they ended up giving away a field goal. The 34 points doesn't concern me but the situational failures on Sunday did. Week, week, week one. Week one. September 15th. When it was still warm and sunny outside. Remember that? Yeah. And what, and what happened? What happened? It came back to bite him in the NFC Championship game because Mike Patton doesn't know how to just simply place two safeties over the top to play no doubles defense. And it, and it, and it blows my mind. Aaron Jones fumbled yesterday. That's something you can overcome. Right, Alan Lazard gets held, turns into an interception. That that's something. Okay, you can you can live with that. How do you give up a touchdown there? And by the way, I am never going to hedge against a take like that ever again. I will never say, well, maybe I'm overreacting. No, no, never again. No, no, I was right. I was so right, and I was right 
18 weeks ago. God, I hate, oh my God, the day Mike Pettin's fired, I'm going to throw a party. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up. My name is Grant Bills, and I appreciate you tuning in today. Uh, it, it was difficult to wake up this morning. It was like a split second where I woke up and I thought, oh, I am well rested. Let's att- Oh, yeah, that's right. The Packers lost. And then I was miserable. So like the first three seconds of today, they were all right. Basically before I got my eyes open. Uh, and then the uh, miserable Monday began. So Packers fans, it's just sad. There's a sadness in the air today. And that's not the brewery that's a couple blocks away. That. That just smells like, well, you know, just smells gross. There, there's something else. There's, there's sadness in the air in the state of Wisconsin today. And I hope that I can take some of this burden off of you, right? I dig deeply into this game and talk about it so you don't have to, I, I guess. It's what, I, it's what I'm trying to be today. 608-796-2558. Uh, Bob says, the only play all year, the defensive back doesn't play 10 yards off the wide receiver. Bad coaching and terrible play by King. They've been better off. He was unavailable to play. He had a bad game. They look to go at him and Sullivan. Yeah, they look to go at anyone who wasn't Jair Alexander, which is a huge bummer because Jair, between the Rams game and yesterday, was nails. He was untouchable, um, and it didn't really matter because Kevin King was that much of a tire fire. And I, I like Kevin King. He had a really bad game yesterday at the worst possible moment, and it will probably hurt him in free agency. Maybe makes the decision by the Packers to... Sign or resign probably makes it a little easier. Uh, John texts in and says, and there's the dagger. I tuned into WKTY last night. No postgame show or no Bill Michaels. I guess I've been out of the loop. At least you're on from John. John, I appreciate the text. Yeah, I see the last time you texted was in early December. Yeah, a couple things have changed. Uh, no more Bill, but we do have the big show with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer and Gary Ellerson and Leroy Butler in the ta- and they're wonderful. And Radio Joe and Dan Plucker. I'm going to an awesome cast now from 11 to 2 on WKTY. And yes, there was no post-game show on yesterday because when we get to the championship rounds, we can't actually play the Packers Radio Network um, in different markets, right? WTMJ, the flagship, can carry it, and that's it. So we had Kevin Harlan and Westwood 1, and they're tremendous. And John, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world. You didn't have to listen to two hours of post-game because that might have just been depressing. Uh, instead, we had the Bucks game on last night, which... I'll take. I don't know if we needed to wallow in it last night. I think it was probably good that we maybe turned our TVs off and put our phones away and just try to forget about things last night. John, Bob, appreciate the texts. Uh, you can tweet at me at Wisco Grant as well um, if you would per- prefer to tweet and not text. Uh, I get it. I, I want to hear a little bit from Aaron Rodgers. It- it's a really tough spot for him last night after the biggest loss of his career. In, in my opinion, I-, I think up until this point, the worst loss was the NFC Championship game in 2014. And I don't know if yesterday's loss in a vacuum, in a four-quarter window, was worse than that loss in 2014. They're very similar. I, I don't know if yesterday's game was worse, but the timing is worse. Because Rodgers knows that that was probably his last chance to get to a Super Bowl as the member of the Packers. 2014, there was a lot of meat left on the bone, right? There was assumedly six, seven, eight more years. The drafting of Jordan Love and, and the upcoming list of unrestricted free agents makes this year feel a little bit different. 
I, I give Aaron Rodgers a lot of credit for holding it together pretty darn well in the presser last night. Before we hear from Rodgers, can I get something off my chest? And this is this is going to be very homerish. Like I, I'm going to sound like a Packer owner, a Packer lifer. Like I'm going to I'm about to sound like someone who says we. Like we're playing the Vikings this weekend, or we won, or like we need to run the ball more. I I'm, I'm really going to lay into it here. This is a very homer take. But it's something I want to get off my chest. I am so, so disappointed with the Packers beat last night and today. I think specifically a few members of the Packers beat, the beat reporters that are in the press conference, I think they did a huge disservice to a quarterback that has been done so many disservices already, especially in the biggest games. We're talking about 2014 and the NFC Championship game yesterday. When has Rodgers ever got the benefit of the doubt. Like, Brady threw three interceptions yesterday and one. He could have had four or five. Russell Wilson threw four in 2014, and he went on to win because his defense is great, and he got lucky. And yesterday, same with Tom Brady. He got lucky. He got a flag at the right time. He, he His defense balled out. When has that ever happened to Rodgers? Except for maybe in 2010, but he was electric in Atlanta. He was electric in the Super Bowl. Sure, there were moments where his defense stepped up, but like if Rodgers throws three picks in any playoff game, his team loses by 30, and he had to watch Russ win one in 2014 and go to a Super Bowl despite throwing four picks. He had to watch Brady throw three interceptions win yesterday. When has Rodgers ever got a boost in an NFC Championship game? I would argue never, except in 2010 with B.J. Raji when he scored a touchdown. That game was in the cold. It was a little bit different, and Rodgers certainly made up for it in the Super Bowl and in the Atlanta game and in the Philly game. I think after the toughest loss of his career yesterday, the Packers beat did him such a disrespectful disservice. Now, Rodgers naturally got asked about his future and coaching decisions and plays from the game, and that's all fine and fair. But you tell me something. Tell me something. You've been watching Packers football all of your life. I would assume most of you have been fans for a long time. You've seen a lot of go-rounds, a lot of Packers seasons. You know how this works. Especially if you're a little bit older, you've seen Favre or maybe pre-Favre, and now you've seen Rodgers. Lots of experience. You tell me something. A quarterback wins an MVP. Amazing storybook season. It ends in heartbreaking fashion through no fault of said quarterback. Said quarterback has three years left on his deal. You tell me how the story today is about trade destinations for Rodgers or Rodgers being mad at the Packers organization or or possibly retiring to force the Packers' hands. Where did that come from? Because that equation doesn't add up. MVP quarterback loses in heartbreaking fashion. Three years left on his deal. How did we get from there? what, 12 hours ago to now where we're talking about trade destinations, uh, Rodgers being unhappy at the organization, Rodgers retiring. Where did that happen? Where did that come from? I I don't mean to take shots at anybody. I think Jason Wildey, I I thought he, I, I thought Jason Wildey was a complete and total jerk in that presser last night and the way that he passed it along on Twitter and through his writing. I, I thought Matt Schneidman did the same thing on Twitter and in his reporting last night too. I understand they got to get clicks. But what a disservice to Aaron Rodgers after, like I said, he has never gotten the benefit of the doubt in an NFC title game, right? And now Jason Wildey is going to take advantage of that and Matt Schneidman of The Athletic is going to take advantage of that. And I will have Matt on my show anytime. I've emailed him multiple times. He just hasn't got back to me. I'm assuming he's busy. I don't take it personally. I'd have him on the show today and I'd ask him about this. Same with Jason Wildey. How, How does the narrative become about an MVP quarterback who's been on a team his whole career in a heartbreaking loss that was no fault of his own. How does the narrative then the next day become Mike Florio, right, Zabruder filming tape from yesterday into 
he should go to the Niners. He should do this. He should pull a Favre and retire. How does that happen? I'm looking right at match nine minute of the athletic and right at Jason Wildy. The Packers beat all year was nothing but fluffing stuff. They were they were Build-A-Bear workshop all season. Hey, Aaron, how do you feel today? Hey, you having a good week of practice? Oh, what kind of beer do you got in your garage fridge? Oh, what if they have fans at Lambeau, you think that would be fun? Just, just garbage softball questions that did nobody any good this year, which is why we all love the Pat McAfee show, because Aaron Rodgers actually talked about interesting things, because Pat didn't ask him stupid questions like, hey, how do you feel after the win tonight, Aaron? What a stupid... They ask terrible questions all year. And the instant that Rodgers is gutted after an NFC championship game, when the national media is circling, that's when Jason Wilde and Matt Schneidman step up with their Twitter accounts and their questions to try to gaslight attention off of an Aaron Rodgers answer. That's crap. That's crap. All of a sudden, the fluff pieces on Mercedes Lewis are done. And now it's time to go after Rodgers. Even though he put his heart and soul on the line for this team all season long, he he did 18-minute press conferences for these yahoos and answered all their stupid Build-A-Bear fluffy questions, and now they're, they're going to do this? The article from Matt Schneidman in The Athletic, which I subscribe to, this was the lead. Aaron Rodgers said that his future is uncertain. He doesn't just say that to say it. That means he doesn't know if he'll be the Packers quarterback next season. Making the NFL MVP with three years left on his deal feel that way is an indictment of Brian Gutekinds. What in God? What? What? Matt Schneidman tweeting, Aaron Rodgers fully sounded like someone who doesn't know if he'll be the quarterback here next season. Well, yeah, Matt, his team drafted his successor and he just lost. And he's emotional after a game. But by all means, write a piece on that and try to pivot that into likes and views. Jason Wilde, same thing. Aaron Rodgers sure sounded like a guy saying goodbye. Really, is that because you said so, Jason? Because that's where this all started. That was I thought that was so low. Aaron Rodgers has been done so many disservices over the last 10 years. And I thought... Three hours after the biggest loss of his career, maybe it would be a little bit of a grace period for Jason Wilde and Matt Schneidman to maybe not try to turn his sorrow and his situation into personal gain. But that's always what Jason Wilde does. He goes for one big quote a year, whether it's whether it's respectful to those involved in the story or not. You know, I got to get my name on ESPN. It was the same with the McCarthy stuff. That's such crap, and it's so low. And I know I sound like a huge homer, like the media has no obligation to the team, but they have an obligation, I think, to be respectful. And that that was that wasn't cool. And I'd have them on. I'd have either of those guys on my show tomorrow. Should I reach out? Like I said, I've tr- I've tried to have them both on. Haven't gotten just haven't gotten answers. That's so low. That's so so low. Let's let's hear from Rogers though. Not either one of those answers. I don't care about either one of those answers. Bill Huber, shout out Bill Huber for staying true to form and asking the same question he always asks. Hey Aaron, how do you feel? Yeah, Bill, I'm just pretty gutted. You know, it's a long season. You put so much into it <clears throat> to get to this point. Uh, and then, you know, the way, you know, we had our chances. So, you know, you know I'm not um, different position in the last couple of these where we got blown out and didn't really have a chance. You know, they went up three scores. We battled back with a couple scores. Defense came up with some big turnovers. And, you know, we had a lot of chances. So, um, but yeah, overall, just pretty gutted. I think that's how we all feel. I, I wish I could get angry about this game, but I really can't. I'm just dead inside. That's why I have to get angry about the Packers beat. And Jason Wildey just, just, that just sucks. That just really sucks that that happened. Because that's going to shape this whole offseason. And it shouldn't. I, I think that's how we all feel. We're just gutted. Like, we're just, we're tired of this. The Bucks did it to us the last, what, two years now? 
three years now. The Bucks have done it to us. The Brewers did it to 2018. The Packers have done it five times in, in what, four times in seven years now? Like, we're just tired. And I think, I think Rodgers, yesterday was kind of the pinnacle. I, I think he just feels tired, too. And as long as we're getting sentimental, Aaron Rodgers did speak about this team and, and what it meant to him. And credit to him for being able to do this after the biggest loss of his career. Yeah, they're all special, for sure. I think this one, as much as any of them, I just found some really uh, special friendships with, you know, Mercedes and Devontae. Especially Tim and I have become really close over the years. Jamal, I love Jamal. Um, Aaron Jones. A lot of guys' futures that are, you know, uncertain, you know, myself included. Uh, That's what's sad about it most. Getting this far, obviously there's going to be an end to it at some point, whether we make it past this one or not, but just the uncertainty is, is tough and the finality of it all. I, I think we all expected this, right? If the Packers lost, we knew how much it was going to hurt because we knew all the players they have on the doorstep who are heading out of town possibly as free agents at the end of this year. And you know, who knows how much time Mercedes Lewis has or Mason Crosby or like this is, this is just kind of it. Like this is the final run. And, and to have that game go the way that it did where it was right there for the taking and very similarly to 2014, they just couldn't get it done. Like that—that's—that's that's painful, right? I, I thought if they lost, it would be because Aaron Rodgers just didn't show up, and he did. He showed up big time. Can't say that about everybody. Can't say that about most of the team. Um, to end on a—I don't want to say a high note, but maybe a, an energetic, uh, energetic, uh, confrontational note, which is better than just being sad. Aaron Rodgers talking about the pass interference call at the end of the game. I know some of you have sent me screenshots. Yeah, he had a hold of the jersey. Okay. So did, what was his name? Jamel Dean, or was it Murphy Bunting, or whoever it was? Had a big grip on Lazard, too, on the interception. I didn't get called. Here's Aaron Rodgers. I think it was a bad call. Um, I think there were a few opportunities, uh, you know, for some plays down the field for us that weren't called. Uh, Just surprised that call in that situation was made, you know, we get the ball back with probably 135 and a timeout with a chance to win the game, go to the Super Bowl. Um, didn't look like it was even catchable. So, yeah, there's was a bad call. It wasn't catchable. That was a terrible throw, and it was a flop. And what's funny is, like, all of the takes today that I've heard, especially about Matt LaFleur deciding to kick a field goal, it's like, how did LaFleur, how can he give the ball back to Tom Brady? What? Tom Brady handed the ball off twice and then made a garbage throw and got a first down on a holding penalty. Like, what do you... What do you mean? How can you give the ball back to Tom Brady? It would have worked perfectly. Because Tom Brady was bad yesterday. He was bad the the whole game. He could have had four interceptions. He could have had five. If Darnell Savage makes a great play on the ball in the the first quarter, he could have had five. Will Redmond had one right in his lap, just said, no, no thanks. I don't don't want to, I don't want to, I have zero interest in catching that. I have no interest in picking off Tom Brady in a playoff game. Rogers, I think Rodgers is just fed up. He looked fed up when he shook Brady's hand after the game. You could just see it in his eyes. He's like, yeah, it must be nice to throw three picks in a title game and win. Lucky bet. I'm not going not gonna to use an inappropriate word that starts with a B. Got an email from a parent last week. Parent likes listening with the kids. I never want to be a show that you're afraid to have on around your kids. But yeah, I think we all know. Like Aaron Rodgers, you could just see it in his eyes after that game. He's just like, oh, you threw three picks in a title game and, and won. Huh? Well, must be nice. Good luck, Tom. 
Let's take a break. Wrap up some of this Packers conversation. Well, we're not wrapping up anything. We're stuck with this until 6 o'clock. You want to talk about Badgers basketball? Should we just should we just ignore the Packers today? Oh, let's continue to talk Packers and, and kind of look at the offseason and, and get an appreciation for exactly why this game was such a bummer to lose because it's not going to be the same after this offseason. It's certainly not. More of the Wisco Sports Show. Talking Packers. My name Grant Bills. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. It's kind of the 2020 Packers funeral show today. I hate doing this. Did it with the Bucks. Did it with the Packers last year. I want to come out on top of one of these things. Or at least make it there. Make it to the NBA Finals. Make it to the World Series. Make it to the Super Bowl. People forget that Brewers were up at home at Miller Park in Game 7 of the NLCS. Couldn't get it done. We've been doing this way, way, way too often. You're just barely coming up short. I'm sick of it. I'm tired. I'm tr- I'm genu- I'm genuinely tired. This is the best word to describe me today. I'm just I'm just tired. I don't have no shortage of energy. I'm I'm just drained. Talking about this, having to deal with this, it, it felt that way since the second I woke up. 608-796-2558. Mark texts in, says, "Dear Packer fans, now is not the time to panic and believe the ridiculousness coming from ESPN about Rodgers wants to leave the Packers. I choose to believe the great relationship Rodgers built with Matt LaFleur is still there and will only get better next year." I, Mark, I 100% agree with you. I don't know what the Packers are scheming up. Like, I, I don't know if they have a plan to go to Jordan Love at any point. Assuming they don't do that, which would be insane, given the money it would cost them and that Rodgers just won an MVP. No, but I agree. The only reason that these stories about Rodgers wanting to leave, the only reason the stories are there is because Jason Willey and Matt Schneidman put him there in the postgame presser last night. And I'm not even talking about the questions they asked to Rodgers. The questions were fair. The way it was spun was insane. I know they got to get. I know they got to get clicks. It's just amazing how you write a, a fluff piece all season about Mercedes Lewis, and then the second Rogers is down and out, and the national media is circling. Now you unload the the heavy cavalry. Good, good for you guys. I hope you feel good about what you did in the presser last night. Bob Stock texts in and says Brady is the luckiest of all time. I was waiting to hear that he won the Powerball over the weekend. Yeah, I, I look. I say that all the time, and I was I was maybe going to do a segment on that today, but we've all heard that a hundred times. Like, I, I don't need to obnoxiously tell you, I think, what everybody knows. Brady is unbelievably lucky. Yeah, he's insanely lucky. Compare it to Rodgers. Look at the luck Rodgers had in 2014. Look at the luck he had in, in, in this last game just yesterday. Like, man can't buy a break. Brady's got breaks coming out of his ears. Oh, you want the ball at the five-yard line? Here you go. Oh, and it happened twice last week, too? God. God. Um, Herman says, hey, Grant, great show. Wish I got to listen to you more. Uh, can explain why everything is falling on Rodgers when the management has not put a team around him, especially defense in 10 years, 10 plus years. And despite that, he has still led this team to an NFC championship game in a Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I agree, Herman. I don't, I don't even blame the front office that much. I think there's some things they could have done differently. And I have some suggestions for what they should do moving forward. We'll talk about that at 530. It does have to do with the wide receiver position, but it's from a different perspective. So it's not the same wide receiver thing that most people have been talking about all year. That's at 530 if you want to hang around or, you know, let's check out the podcast too. I think this defense is good enough. And despite what we think, they actually played pretty well yesterday. Good on first and second down, forcing third downs. The problem was they dump their pants every time they had an opportunity to get off the field or make a play. How do you give up? A t- you, you, it blows my mind. It's maybe even worse than the onside kick in 2014 because Brandon Bostic 
knew what he was supposed to do. Well, he didn't. But he went up to get the ball, and he just dropped it. Okay. I don't know what Mike Patton was thinking on that play at the end of the half. I have zero idea. And if you take that touchdown off the board, and you, and you factor in that, that the Packers' defense was started on their own five-yard line in the second half, like it wasn't that miserable of a defense. They have some good personnel. They were just, they're just a mess. And Matt LaFleur, I think, has wanted to fire Mike Patton since the second he got to town. I think Mark Murphy and company made him keep Mike Patton when he got here because he was an experienced, established coach. I think I think Matt LaFleur is going to fire Mike Patton the instant he can. And his offense wasn't perfect yesterday, but his offense didn't forget how to run a coverage with six seconds left. Like, oh, Devontae Adams didn't catch the ball in the end zone. Okay. What are you going to do? Economy St. Brown dropped a two-point conversion. Okay, that stinks. The fact that you line up in man coverage on on fourth down at the end of the half when the Bucks have no timeouts, that is, that's inexcusable. Like, Mike Patton should never be a defensive coordinator again. I wouldn't hire him. And I've been talking about situational defense since week one. That's when I first brought it up after the Vikings game. I was like, sheesh. They really let the Vikings move the ball in the second half when they should have been in prevent. And then going into half, they let Kirk Cousins and Gary Kubiak, who are the two most conservative offensive minds in the league, because Mike Zimmer makes them that way. Mike Patton let that offense march down the field and score before half. They didn't even want to score. And Mike Patton... Rolled out the red carpet. Yeah, come on down. Kick a field goal. Get some points going into half. Like, they've been bad situationally all season long. Talked about that earlier in the show. I went and pulled the audio from week one, September 15th. Talking about situational defense. It's been bad. It's been a huge issue. I, I don't know if this is on the front office. Yesterday, I don't I don't think it's on the front office. Yeah, they could have gotten a wide receiver. Maybe that would have made a difference. But just don't give up a touchdown with six seconds left to go. And you're fine. And Mike Patton's dumb, bald head couldn't even make that happen. More coming up next.